The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Thanks for joining us. This is Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Are you ready to create a life that's intentional and dynamic? Welcome to The Intentional Spirit with your host, Reverend Temple Hayes. Thank you so much for tuning in. It's uh, it's another happy Wednesday on the planet today. And we always love celebrating, of course, intentional spirits that are, that are people that uh, find their way either as being a shapeshifter or... Uh, some kind of shamanic journey or a difference maker, but they often take experiences in their lives and they they invent something. They're innovators. They turn it into something pretty magical and, and no different than the great guest we have today, Eileen Day McCusick. And I'd like to welcome you to the show and thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me, Temple. Oh, it's just truly an honor. And I, I love the tuning. And um, I was so excited to talk to you because of just my own background as a shamanic healer and the chakras and energy and, you know, sounds and how, how so necessary. I mean, we were talking the other day, I was talking to a, a friend and we were saying, could you imagine movies or, or TV or anything like that without the undertone of, of music or sound, because that's what gets you going in any particular direction <laughs> more than the scenes you're watching are the tunes that are, that are with you in, in the, in the background. But how did this become your work? I mean, I love it that people like you will take the time to say, how did I find myself in this work? Because I think it, inspires a lot of people to be more open to their purpose or what they can do. Um, Tell us about you. I'm so curious. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, curious is the key word. Um, It it was curiosity more than anything that led me down the path that I've been down and that really has kept, kept me going. Sound and the way that the body interacts with it. Uh, turned out to be a very curious thing that I realized that we don't really fully understand and that a lot of us really take for granted. You know, just like you were saying, can you imagine a movie without a soundtrack? It would be so dull. And and exactly about how we're so moved by music and by sound and by people's voices and, you know, for good, right? Certain things make us feel, sound can make us feel wonderful and it can also make us feel horrible. So there's a, it's something that's been sort of ubiquitous, but really unexamined. 
And in the last few decades, that's really started to change as we've seen a rise in the popularity of sound healing. When I started doing this back in 1996, and I told people I was doing sound healing, it was sort of this universal response of, oh, I've never heard of that before. <laughs> I'm like, and, and therefore it must be nonsense. You know? All right, um, and now, what is it, 25 years later, most people have heard of sound healing or are quicker to understand the power of sound to move us. There's less of a struggle <laughs> when I talk to people about it. But, I mean, you know, curiosity, uh, yeah, go ahead. Excuse me. In, in the curiosity part, was there, like, did it kind of stumble upon you? Um, were you seeking things in your own life? Um, how did you discover the initial phases of the power of sound therapy? Well, I was, I was in the process of being curious about how to heal myself. Okay. And, you know, which is how I think so many of us get into this sort of thing. If I had been mentally, physically, and emotionally healthy, I probably would have been on Wall Street making a killing because uh, that was sort of what was encouraged, you know, when I was going to school back in the 80s. And, um, but, I, but I wasn't. I wasn't able to function at that level. I was, um, I was handicapped in a lot of ways energetically, which I realize now. Um, because the world that we all grow up in is full of lies, misinformation, um, mm -hmm. toxicity, um, destructive personalities, <laughs> uh, you know, transgressions, injustices. And I was a, a very highly sensitive person, you know, sort of one of those people, and maybe some listeners can relate, but I was always being told that I was too sensitive. Yes. And, um, and so I had had to desensitize myself, and that really meant shutting a lot of myself down. And, and sort of folding myself up into a tiny box that ended up being um, miserable and, you know, unbalanced in every way. I, was, I became bulimic. I was severely depressed. I thought I was schizophrenic. I felt powerless. Um, you know, I was, <laughs> I was a hot mess. And, mm -hmm. and I, but I was determined to figure it out and to heal. And honestly, I thought it would be a lot easier <laughs> than it was. You know, I, back then I wanted to lose like 30 pounds in 30 days for $30 and get on with my life, you know, <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, that, that didn't work. <laughs> like when I got sober after 15 years of driving my car anywhere except off a cliff, you know, I really thought I wasn't going to have any problems anymore. <laughs> I really thought, oh, wow, it's going to be so easy because I've just had yeah. one and one apology after another for 15 years from 14 to 29 and now it's going to be easy breezy lemon squeezy and it was absolutely I had as many problems if not more than I ever had and I felt every one of them <laughs> yeah and life uh, yeah. is like that right I mean life is really it's really hard for for most people it's full of um, difficulties and difficult characters and health challenges and you know it's not an easy territory to navigate especially now especially now it's harder than ever to find your sane clear center and uh, but but what I have found is that my journey with sound has brought me there and it started um, well you know I'm 
I'm a researcher by nature and I wear a lot of hats, but I think kind of the primary one I wear is researcher because I am so curious and I'm always seeking um, new information and then, and then seeking to synthesize that information. So I started reading self-help books when I was 18 and just went, you know, just went to one after another, after another, after another and figured out a bunch of things. And at one point, I, I think I read quantum Quantum Healing by Deepak Chopra. And that introduced me into this sort of idea that everything is vibration. You know, we, our senses slow everything down, so they appear solid. But fundamentally, everything is just packets of vibrating light that's woven into apparent density. But ultimately, it's all just light and, and, and information and vibration. And and then I don't I don't really even know how I came across it, but I came across a book on the use of color, light, and sound in healing, and and music, and I remember thinking, well, if everything is vibration, I'm vibration. Treating vibration with vibration is the most direct, logical route to go. And so I started reading everything I could find, uh, which wasn't a lot, you know, back in the mid '90s. Um, and then I just happened to get a catalog in the mail that had a set of tuning forks for healing, which I ordered. And at the time, I had a part-time massage therapy practice. So I started experimenting with the tuning forks with some of my clients. And, and it's very curious. Like, it didn't, the tuning forks didn't act like I thought that they would. I thought that if you struck a tuning fork that was the notice C and you held it over someone, that it would just sound like a C, you know, that it would just be an input. But what I discovered was, is that it actually ended up being a conversation between the subtle emanations of the body and the subtle overtones and undertones in the tuning fork. And so when I moved the tuning fork around the body, the sound changed and it would change very dramatically. In some places it would go very sharp. In some places it would go flat. In some places, it would vibrate loud for a long time. And in other places, it would just get sucked out and disappear really quickly. Um, sometimes it sounded like it was full of static or noise. And over the course of, you know, a number of years of doing this, and I started doing it part-time. I just did it part-time for about 10 years. I gave up on massage very quickly because I found the tuning forks intriguing. And I found that they, even when I didn't know what I was doing with them, and I was just really exploring that everyone reported a state change and everyone came back and said, can you do the sound thing again? And so, so, but it was so hard to explain, you know, I would tell people that I was doing, I was doing energy, energy balancing with tuning forks and that there was just a lot of skepticism. Mm -hmm. So I never wanted it to be shit. Yeah, totally understandable. Or you didn't want to be tagged woo, 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 or, you know, something like that, because especially having such a, a dedication to it and, you know, and being very clear of, of how powerful it, it works. Is that kind of the way in a domino type effect is there were enough people that felt they had some changes that then they started speaking or was it culture? The whole culture started changing. Hello, can you hear me? Uh-huh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay, sorry, Kimball, my call dropped and I and <laughs> I ended up having to come back in. So, um, oh. sorry about that. 
we um, never so we never knew it so we're just uh yeah i was i was just saying that you know when you were saying you didn't want it to be judged and you know you didn't want people to pre-decide like this is woo woo or weird or anything like that was it that within your own work as a researcher and as a practitioner that so many people close to you that they it shifted or was it more universal that the shift started happening with an openness or was it, you know, both and? Yeah, it was, it was a number of things because what ended up happening was I, I started off just working over the body, but in 2005, I made a discovery um, of the, the phenomenon that I was hearing and feeling and working with right over the body. I started discovering in the space around the body in the atmosphere around the body and I started finding, I started discovering that the body's magnetic field actually has an anatomy and a physiology and is really like part of who we are. Mm-hmm. Our electrical body is our electrical system in its entirety. And it's, a, it's an energy system we don't get taught about. But we run on electrical juice. It's what makes our heart beat. It's what makes our brain waves move. It's what makes our muscles contract. Everything in our body is electric. Anything that has an electric current running through it has a magnetic field around it. And it's the same thing, call our aura or human energy field. It's just been relegated to the realm of pseudoscience. But that, that's a misnomer because it's a basic law of, of physics that anything that has an electric current running through it has a magnetic field around it. And the human body is no different. And so when I started working out in the magnetic field and exploring it, the therapeutic outcomes that were happening for my clients became very dramatic. They, you know, people were reporting pain they'd had for 30 years, was gone, anxiety, you know, after just a few sessions, gone, depression. Like people were, were reporting dramatic differences. And I was like, wow, you know, this is the kind of healing that people are looking for. And, and this is so non-invasive. I'm standing three feet away from you holding a tune fork in the air, and all of a sudden that shoulder is letting go. <laughs> and like, how weird is that? That's really weird. <laughs> and, and so I, I ended up feeling this sort of moral obligation to bring it out into the world. But mm-hmm. there was this whole image thing. You know, somebody said to me once, I think in the early 2000s, she said, you know, of all the woo-woo stuff out there, what you do comes across as the most (laughs) woo-woo. And I was pretty, I was like, oh, that just hurts. Because I'm actually very logical and very um, solution-oriented and very practical and very grounded. Like, I've never been um, a (laughs) crystal-wearing kind of person. And, And so it came to me one day that I needed to go to school. I needed to try to understand what was going on in the body and like how and why sound was producing these outcomes from an academic standpoint. But I couldn't call it chi. I couldn't, you know, call it auras and chakras. They really needed to apply Western language and understanding to the subject. And so I went to college as an adult and I got my undergraduate and my master's degrees and I wrote a thesis called Exploring the Effects of Audible Sound on the Human Body and Its Biofield. And in the course of writing that thesis and coming to understand what was happening from a scientific level, 
um, kind of coincided with 2012. That, that's when the thesis was published. And I don't know if you noticed this, but right around 2012, people started becoming more open to this sort of thing. And so there was a kind of combination of me having, you know, my 10,000 hours under my belt of clinical practice and, and feeling very comfortable and confident as a practitioner, having all of this academic understanding where I could explain it with science in a way that people understood and, and were like, oh, that's cool. That makes sense. <laughs> and and then and then just the general environment being more open to it, because by 2012, there were a lot more bowls. People out there were, you know, experiencing bowls and yoga classes, and it was just becoming more common in the environment. So, so now it's not a problem at all, you know, to be able to explain to people what it is and how it works. People grasp it really quickly because everybody realizes they have an electrical system, even if they don't, they've never thought of it before. At the moment, people hear it and they're like, oh, yeah, my body does run out. And like if I have a heart attack, they're going to jumpstart it with the electricity that comes out of the wall. So um, it is our electromagnetic body that responds to the electromagnetic properties of sound. Hello? Yeah, I can't imagine oh, okay. that. It, it, it's <laughs> I thought it dropped again. It's such a world as far as, you know, in our in our communities that we've lived in for so long. It's more it it's more shocking to me that that people didn't initially say, well, of course, this makes absolute sense. And yet I know I, I understand. But it's like, how could you not? You know, I mean, how could someone not understand the power, the deep power of sound and how it can impact our bodies or our health or our our well-being. I mean, you can you can know from just a psychology perspective of how if you've lived with an abuser voice, how the sound of that voice and unless there's some deep-rooted work done on that for the rest of your life when you hear a voice that has that same kind of frequency, it does the same kind of things to your emotional body and to your energetic field. I mean, that's it's it's amazing. Um, and obviously, I know with you, we're addressing another level, but still, I mean, everyday common sense would tell you how powerful that is. I mean, there's lots of things that you that you watch as a visual that if the music behind it wasn't what it was, you wouldn't feel the fear or the joy or the anxiety. You know, like you were saying, I mean, there's certain songs that create an immense amount of, of anxiety to tones and things like that. But anyway, um, I just think your work is fascinating. <laughs> and uh, I've, I've worked with um, homeopathic veterinarians that work with sound frequency with animals and it's just amazing. Um, yeah, we've had tremendous results with animals. Uh, you know, and actually we do this work at a distance with animals and have amazing outcomes, which I know sounds really far out. But if anybody is out there who has a dog that, you know, can't handle thunder or antisocial cats, um, we can work on them at a distance. We don't even need a photograph and we can shift their state and make them <laughs> happier animals. And so you saying that, I want to tell people to go to biofieldtuning, biofieldtuning.com. And um, 
Eileen, would we just go through the contact section of the website to uh, get in touch with your organization? Is that the mm -hmm. best way for them to do it? Yep. Okay. Well, that, that, what you just said, that's, would that include um, fireworks as well? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Is definitely. One issues with animals would be fireworks and what they go through, almost mm -hmm. deadly to some of them, total toxic, just real devastating experiences. Mm -hmm. Wow. So what would you say has been, um, aside from, you know, being able to be part of this work and see the miracles that happen, what have been some of your most noted things? Now, my shamanic teacher used to talk about the human energy field all the time, obviously, with energy work and auras and, you know, those kind of things. And that there's a there's a sound to each chakra and that. Uh, I mean, you're the expert in it. I know just enough to do what I need for myself or for people that I've worked with or animals. But she would say that if you could keep the, I, so I'm, this is really a question because I don't remember exactly how she put it, but when cancer really takes over your body, it's when you, it's in your energy field instead of in located in a certain part of your body, but then it gets in your energy field. Did I hear that correctly? Or is that the right way of looking at it? Or is that incorrect? Well, what I've come to see is that Whatever is going on in the body is going on in the field and vice versa. Okay. I, I say that the field is like an exploded view of the body. You know, like when you get something that needs to be assembled and the diagram shows it all the parts and pieces spread out. <laughs> I'm like, this screw goes in that place. So if I have pain in my right shoulder, there's going to be a stuck area in my field. Um, and so what my observation is, what happens to us and the way that we shut down as we go through life is that what people end up with, when we talk about chakras being blocked or people having energy stuck in their field, what I've really found exploring this area with sound, you know, bouncing sound off the body like sonar, listening to the pingback, feeling very, um, very subtly the terrain, what's going on. These stuck areas are trapped sound. There are sounds we never made. There are needs we stopped expressing. There are anger that we're harboring. There, there are self-judgment and shame. There are all these places where we've, we've, we've closed down and we don't go there anymore. And so when you don't, when your consciousness doesn't go someplace, your electricity doesn't go there either, and neither does your blood. Like, that area becomes bereft of flow. And so cancer grows in a deoxygenated environment. Basically, you know, when you've got a shoulder knot, you're not breathing into that area. There's no flow. There's only restriction. So when we take all these hurts, and these angers and these forbidden emotions, and we tuck them away, and we, we hide all these parts of ourselves that we don't go to, neither does life force. 
And, and cancer is the body's response to not having enough electrical juice, to not having, you know, oxygen, we tend to, we tend to have been taught to think chemically so that when you have low pH, for example, you know, you're acidic and that where health doesn't, what doesn't happen. But another way of looking at that is voltage because we're designed to run at an optimal amount of voltage running through our system. And when our voltage drops, when our electrical energy, when our battery drops, we go into a low pH state. We go into a low voltage state. <clears throat> so in another way to start thinking electrically is to think about oxygen. The oxygen molecule carries four free electrons. And when we breathe in, it's these electrons that bind to the hemoglobin in our blood electromagnetically. And these electrons, these packets of electrical energy get dropped off at our cells. That's the currency that our body runs on. And if you think about it, we can go weeks without food, some people longer, right? Days without liquids, but you can only go a few minutes without breath. Mm. Breath is what keeps us alive. And the more full and free and open our breath is, the healthier our body is going to be. When people take hits and wounds and they stuff things, their body fills up with all of these pockets where breath isn't going. And that's where cancer happens. Wow. <laughs> that's very powerful. I'm glad we have yeah. that, that we can back and listen to, you know, more than one time. And I would yeah. urge all of you that are, you know, tuning in, pun intended, <laughs> for those of you that are tuning in today, you know, to, to share this show with with your friends and your family and social media, because this is extremely, you know, powerful information and, and well noted for, you know, people to be aware of. And I mean, I'm just curious, are there, are there times that you find that people dismiss it because it is so simple? I'm not saying the technology behind it is simple, nor the research behind it is simple, but the fact of we can tune people and, and it changes their anxiety, it changes their fears or et cetera, or their, you know, they can be cured of things. Do people question that it's that simple? Um, well, yes. <laughs> you know, I, yeah. I think that for certain elements of the population still does fall in the uber woo category. Um, but, you know, if you think through it, I mean, really, it only takes me a minute to break through that kind of thinking, just with logic yeah. and examples, you know, and you just think a little bit deeper and you're like, oh, yeah, that makes total sense. Um, yes and no, you know, because it is logical that we are self-tuning instruments and yeah. that our body will use whatever resource is available to fix itself. And so, yeah. yeah, there is an element of us that is electric and that is acoustic, but vibrational. So we are, we really are like instruments, and we do get out of place, and we we'll can be, be retuned. And it, and it is, and it is that simple. You know, here's the thing: it, it's Great. simple for keeping people healthy, but I can't cure someone who has cancer. We're glad you found us. This is Unity Online Radio. 
the voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to The Intentional Spirit with Rev. Temple Hayes. Everyone, and thank you so much. And I just want to thank all of you um, for all your years of dedication for this show. And please join me at templehays.com or firstunity.org because you can see all the various things that we're always doing. And we also have an online educational component for spiritual leadership and lifelong learning. And that's illy.org. I love hearing from you and hearing the type of shows that you like to see. So thank you for that connection and uh, and being who you are. And of course, I'm talking to Eileen Dave McCusnick and her powerful work on the biofield tuning. We have so many Reiki uh, individuals and inner energy healers uh, that are in unity and new thought and at large um, that this work is just absolutely is not only fascinating and intriguing, but it's it's definite and proves itself by working. And Eileen has her newest book, Electric Body, Electric Health. And um, again, like I said to you during break, thank you for taking this work on. And uh, it's like in the early days when people were bringing back shamanic practices, you know, it didn't go, it wasn't always so easy, but I'm so glad they did it, you know, because now it's more urban, it's more known, you know, those kind of things. So uh, thank you, Eileen, for doing what you're doing. And, uh, and, and kudos for, you know, Tony Robbins, Jack Canfield, and for them endorsing, endorsing your work. Um, good for you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's been, it's definitely been an adventure um, bringing this work out into the world. You know, when I, it kind of dawned on me uh, back when, before I went to school, that it was sort of my job to, to take the woo out of woo and to really explain it scientifically. You know, for all those Reiki people who have relatives that give them a hard time, they can be like, we're electromagnetic. You know, they have these wonderful little devices. This is a wonderful thing for people to get. They're called energy rods, and you can get them, like, at Amazon. But they're little circuits that have electrodes on either end. It's a clear plastic tube, and it's got lights and, and buzzers inside. And when you, when you complete the circuit, when you hold either an electrode in both hands, you light it up, and it buzzes and lights up because your electrical current is sufficient to power it. You know, that, that we are electric and that our hands are electric. They're like magnets. And so when somebody does Reiki, they're using electromagnetism. Like, what's the energy in energy healing? It's electricity. Like, period. I don't even understand why we've ever fussed about it, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, the, the, the more I've come to understand the electrical nature of the body, not just the electrical nature of the body, but also of our environment. You know, again, because we've been chemically conditioned, we look at everything chemically, like the sun is a thermonuclear furnace of hot gas burning itself out. What's missing from that picture is the plasma element, the electric element of the sun. The solar wind isn't just some hot gas that's blowing at us. It's electrified plasma. And when it comes at us in large amounts, 
from the sun and hits our upper atmosphere, we get northern lights. That's all electric phenomenon. Even, you know, the, the, the soil bacteria is electric. Like everything in our environment, we live in an electromagnetic environment. When we go to the ocean and we're breathing ionized air or by a waterfall or in the forest, that's, you're getting more electric juice into your body. It's a very different, alive kind of environment compared to like an inner city where there's no trees and there's lots of exhaust and lots of electromagnetic pollution, right? That's not an ionized environment. It's not electrified. You're not going to feel juicy and good in a place like that, right? The concrete jungle where the living is hardest. It's Bob Marley, when we're in nature, when we're connected to nature, our electric bodies are fed by our electric environment. And that's why it's so important that we get grounded, you know, because the, the atmosphere is, is positively charged and the surface of the earth is negatively charged. And when we are holding devices, when we are being exposed to stressors and pollutants, we become more positively charged, and when we when our when our charges go into imbalance, especially when we have too much positive charge, we become very tired and we feel droopy and we get depressed because it is the it is the descending current, the positive energy that's trying to get to the earth. Well, if you're wearing rubber-soled shoes, you aren't able to discharge that positive energy you aren't able to bring up negative energy from the surface of the earth and bring yourself into electromagnetic equilibrium with your environment so much of what people suffer from is simply not being energetically connected to the earth and getting that negative charge into their bodies and so when we have too much positive charge we get inflammation as well so something really, really simple that you can start doing for your health right away is spending time outside every day barefoot. Really simple practice that will, like, make a difference in your life that you'll be able to feel. And also, isn't it better for us when we are indoors to not wear shoes at all? I mean, out, definitely outdoors and being in nature and being outside, but in addition to... When you're inside, why wear shoes in your own home? Does that help at all or make a difference? Well, I think, yeah, I think it's better for the bones of your foot. You know, our foot joints articulate in a great many different places. And part of the reason why older folks have falls and break hips is because they're wearing restrictive shoes and they've lost the, the articulation and the intelligence of their own feet, the connection. And so the more we are barefoot and the more we're really flexing our feet, you know, that's healthy. It's really essential that our calf muscles are operating during the day because the calves are really instrumental in driving blood and other fluids back up the body. And so if you wear shoes, especially restrictive shoes or things like clogs, you're diminishing your amount of articulation and stimulation of the muscles of the calf considerably, and it's going to affect the, the flow of current through your body. So, you know, we're definitely better off barefooted. And I know a lot of people believe that they need things like arch support, um, but there are lots of exercises you can do, you know, to correct things in your feet without <laughs> having to, feel the need for orthotics. You know, just one thing uh, that I've 
worked with people in biofield tuning. Very often when I have somebody on the table, I'll notice that they have one leg shorter than the other. And some people end up with correctional things in their shoes in order to deal with that. Um, but what I've often found is it, it, it's structural. They're, the leg isn't actually shorter, but what's happened is one of the hips has pulled in. So very often what I find in people is that the left hip pulls in and it's the left leg that ends up being shorter. And this is, um, this is a bioenergetic pattern of being frustrated over unmet needs. So if people, if you were one of those infants that was left to cry it out, if you were neglected, if you were in a state of perpetual unmet need, especially in the first three years of your life, you have this contracting in the left hip, which also creates what I call the posture of victimhood, which is a tendency to be in a habitual state of frustration over unmet needs, feeling unheard, feeling unloved, and feeling powerless. And, and the, the whole electromagnetic body is scrunched in, which pulls the hip up and in. And this can be adjusted in 15 minutes by releasing the pattern of tension from the biofield and releasing that habitual inner energetic posture, which then informs the physiology, so that that whole part of the field releases, the hip rolls out and relaxes down, and then the leg becomes the correct length. This is one of the things we figure out how to do. It is absolutely. Uh, that is it is fascinating. Well, I've always, um, for many, many years, have been so fascinated with people with knee problems and things like that. And, and they spend their days wearing flip-flops and shuffle their feet, you know, instead mm -hmm. of doing the way the body is designed to really work with the feet and the calves and things like that. But there's just so much to... This is so much bigger than just the electrical field, but all the things that you learn that impact impacts the body on many different levels. So fascinating. And that's what I go into a lot in electric body, electric health is this biofield anatomy concept and the discovery that different states of mind actually inform different areas of our body. So that if we are have the tendency to always overgive and overdo and say yes when we mean no, we're much more likely to end up with right shoulder issues than say left to shoulder issues. Um, I have a girlfriend who, uh, this was a couple of years ago, but she was teaching at several different colleges. She was a single mom and she had a massage therapy practice and she owned a massage school. And oh she called me one day and she said that I fell hiking guess where I injured myself? And I said, your right shoulder. And she said, yep. <laughs> so when we go out of balance in particular areas of our lives, certain areas of our physiology become more vulnerable. And, you know, you can name me any body part and I'll tell you the underlying imbalance that's related to it, that, that you probably are indulging in mentally and emotionally. It's throwing your field out of whack and it's throwing your body out of whack in that specific area. Um, I know one that, that uh, people have a lot of curiosity about, and, and that would be um, a, a lump in the breast. What, 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 I know there's several different opinions of that, but or, or facts, you know, or proven theories. What, what's your sense of that? Mm. Well, it depends on which breast. So if there's, if there's issues in the left breast, 
it's very related. It's very often related to sadness, to despair, um, to what I call world pain, which is sort of your life might be okay, but you just keep looking out at the state of the world and just, you know, having melting about it. Um, depression, you know, and, and, and the inability to express those things. A, a mm-hmm. lot of, remember that cancer are places where sounds haven't been made, where tears haven't been shed, where truths haven't been told, you know, where the light isn't shining. <laughs> um, okay. And so, you know, lumps are no exception. It's, it's just something that's inside that needs to come out and needs to be expressed. Um, the right side is more related to what, just what I was talking about. It's that the selfless giver, um, the oldest child in the family, the one who's always taking care of everybody else, the person who feels guilty saying no, the person who feels like taking care of themselves is selfish. Um, that's where you, it's going to tend to come up on the right side. Mm-hmm. Fascinating. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I bet I bet there's been so many people through the years um, that have just been awe of how you know their lives are different because they've been doing this work um, with you. I just want to remind everybody to go to biofieldtuning.com and learn more about Eileen and her work and how to get in touch with her and how to listen to other programs that she's done and. Um, it's just great stuff, I tell you. It's fascinating. Um, and I, I just love the science of it also. You know, it so proves itself. Uh, everything that, that you're saying, there's legitimate proof to it, you know. Um, yeah, and we just added some, too. I'll tell you that back in December, we conducted a study um, that was, fun, you know, grant-funded. It was IRB-approved. It's being written up right now to be submitted for peer review. Uh, we enlisted 15 volunteers in a three-week study where they each received one distance biofield tuning session a week to treat their clinical anxiety. And every single, and we, we measured uh, the outcomes in a number of different ways, and every single outcome basically illustrated a dramatic state shift with all volunteers. <laughs> So we're, we're also working, I have a nonprofit institute and I partner with other uh, organizations in order to do research. So um, th- that was what was called a feasibility study and we're gearing up to do a larger study this year with 60 participants in a control group. Um, but we're pretty confident we're going to see the same outcomes. It's certainly what I've been seeing in 25 years of clinical practice. And But, you know, there's certainly the population out there that's like, well, that's anecdotal stuff doesn't matter. Show me the science. And so we're doing the science, and the science is showing what we, what the anecdotal evidence has said. Um, and and I'm actually working with a, a group of other biofield scientists. Like there's really a, a significant effort underway to really bring the science of energy healing to to people. You know, to to break through this paradigm barrier that's been there, where where this this dismissal of pseudoscience has been. Just, you know, that's what they do. They're like, oh, that's just pseudoscience. It gets dismissed. And now we're really assembling a preponderance of scientific evidence that you, that they just can't do that to. Like, it's impossible. In fact, I have another website, too, that folks can visit if they're interested. It's electrichealth.com. 
And on that site, I've compiled about 40 peer-reviewed studies about the biofield, and also at least 40 articles from mainstream sources about the electrical nature of life. So there's, there's an, <laughs> if anybody wants to give any of their skeptical friends evidence about this, um, please share electric health with them because there's so much evidence there that really nobody can argue. I love the, oh, I just, I could just sit and watch the imagery of the electric energy going around the person on that website. <laughs> like, wow, that is so powerful. You get so drawn into it. Like, I just want to walk in the page and jump in that circle too. That's <laughs> So electricalhealth.com, everyone, um, <clears throat> you want to tune in and, and, and join in that as well. Wow. How has this work changed you? Oh, wow. So, so, so much. You know, I think my goal, my goal has always been freedom and, and freedom on every level, to be free from pain, to be free from debt, to be free from struggle and strife. Um, to be free to move at will, to be free to take a nap if I want to take a nap. <laughs> I just, I just want to be free. And, and I'm an idealist, you know, so I've, I've worked really hard um, at, at freedom on every level and, and honestly have really um, achieved it. You know, all the problems that I, that I was suffering from, um, you know, back in 2010, which was probably one of the worst years of my life. And I had, I had been reading all of these self-help books for decades. I had been, I had biofield tuning and development at that point for 15 years, but I had never received a session. So I was treating all these people and they were leaving way better than how they came in. But I was really suffering. At that time, I was like $100,000 in debt. We were broke. Um, I had, I was probably 25 pounds overweight. I had terrible digestion. I had gas, bloating, heartburn, stomach aches, just misery. Couldn't really eat anything. Um, I had chronic mid-back pain. I had seven planters warts on my left foot. Um, I had, I just had low energy and a short fuse. You know, I was, I was, I was not. <laughs> I was better than I was when I was 18. But, but the promise of all of those self-help books that I had read had yet to really sink in. And I think a lot of people are in that place. So like, I'm, you know, I've made the dietary changes. I've read the books, you know, whatever, and I still feel like shit. Like, what is going on? And mm -hmm. so in 2010, two things changed. One was that I started teaching my first group of students how to do the work. And, and I wasn't ready to teach because I was working on a master's in education, and I didn't want to put myself out there as a teacher until I had my master's in education. But I had a group of clients and friends who pretty much bullied me into teaching them. And so, so I started teaching them, and they started working on me. And as soon as I started receiving sessions, things began to change. Like one of the first things that happened was all the planner's work on my left foot went away. Now, the left foot relates to being stuck or mired in a toxic situation. I, even though I grew up in a home where like I had food and love and my parents, I had five older siblings who all picked on me and I got tickled and tortured on every level. I was, it was, it was a toxic situation for me. And I had, to, I had to learn to disconnect from the part of me that was so uncomfortable. 
You know, I just couldn't go there. I just couldn't go there because my consciousness wasn't going there. My, my immune system wasn't going there. Like I was completely disconnected from my left foot. And as soon as we started working in the electrical system, you know, getting the block, it was so blocked, like the sound around my left foot was so atonal. My students looked at me and they were like, Eileen, how can you appear so together and sound so awful? I was like, I have learned how to compartmentalize. I've shut down vast swaths of myself in order to function. And so what this work does is it starts to bring those parts of you that you shut down back online. And, and all of these places that we've shut down are actually potential just waiting to be accessed. So you can look at it as healing trauma and think, Ugh. you can look at it as accessing potential of, of getting all of you into you and online and, and on board and getting your battery meter up. Because that's, that's kind of the simplest analogy. I mean, back then, I would say my battery meter was around at 60, 65 now I run between 95, like 90 and 100 every day. You know, mm. every once in a while, I'll have a really busy, difficult week and, you know, and have a day where I'm low, but then my body will just rest. You know, I won't want to do anything. And then the next day, I bounce. We call it puddling in biofield tuning. Like, there's certain days when you just need to puddle, and that's okay because then you bounce. And so I, I don't have any health issues. I'm 52 years old. I can eat whatever I want. I'm, I'm fit and uh, I work out regularly. I'm in really good shape. I'm really strong. I'm really clear. I'm really focused. Um, I maintain equanimity the vast majority of the time. Um, and, and my heart is lifted. So I would say that, you know, that it has made a huge difference for me. And I don't have any debt. You know, I have a, a, an abundant experience of myself and my life. Um, all of, and I was stuck in all the lobster pots, you know, all the traps that you can get into in this culture, the debt, the marital strife, the, you know, the overwork, the, pay, the pain and sickness. <laughs> but like, I was in all of them. And, and, and it wasn't until I started getting tuned, but also until I discovered plasma, the fourth state of matter, the electrical nature of life, the light, the juice, the spark that is hidden from us when we're, all we're told about is black holes and dark energy and dark matter and chaos and entropy and, you know, like chemicals. The whole light and life and juice, that whole dimension of, of nature was hidden. Like, no wonder we're all walking around feeling dim and dark and depressed. We don't know about the light that's in us, the biological light that's in us. Like, our electric body is our light body. It's biological. It's not spiritual. It's not religious. It's biology. And it's the same light that powers the sun and the stars. And we're it's all connected. <laughs> and it's, it's likened to the movie Cocoon, right? Our, our uniform is really light. Absolutely. And it's eternal. You know, it's, it can't be created or destroyed. It is. It is. Have you, um, I'm going to contact you independently because my 83 year old um, mom has one leg that from the knee down, it's immobile. It's kind of locked in place. So she's been written off by, you know, all the professions. Have you seen something that severe? Um, is it change? the right or the left? Is it the right or left leg? 
is the right. It's the right. So that whole area relates to being blocked moving forward, to being paralyzed with fear. Um, mm-hmm. Fear often plays a really big role in something like that. Like I'm afraid to take another step. I'm afraid to be vulnerable. I'm afraid to put myself out there. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm afraid to take a risk. I'm afraid to be myself. Can you see how that might play, that kind of mindset might have played a role? Oh, yeah, totally. (laughs) You know, (laughs) big check, green check mark, check, yes. Um, Is there, will will sound therapy, I mean, I know we're just talking on the, on the, on on online, but um, it certainly would be worth it to see if it could help. Yes, it would be definitely worth it because it's it's an energetic thing. She's electrically locked there. So no amount of physical therapy is going to override what her blueprint is saying, right? So I've taken her yeah. to all the specialists and, you know, everything and nothing is has changed at all. So I would love to do it. So I just go through the contact page on the biofieldtuning.com. Is that mm-hmm. the best? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And reference me um, and we can get you set up with a good practitioner who can help with that because, right. you know, there's no guarantees. I find, especially when people get into their eighties, that their physiology becomes more cementy and it's yeah. not as easy. You know, I love working with like 16 to 22, 23, like that age group is so like you just need a little bit of effort with them and it creates big changes. But when people get really like over 65, you know, we just become more rigid and cemented in our patterns and it takes sure. longer to back them out of the system. It's definitely That's- doable, you know, and I've definitely seen very dramatic things happen. People with frozen shoulders let go or um, really immobilized low backs, you know, come back to life. In fact, one that comes to mind is a woman who was in a class and she had all of this immobility in her pelvis. And what came up was, um, you know, there's so much of this in the world, um, a rape by her uncle when she was 11 that she never told anybody about, never told anybody about. And it came up because we can read people's fields. Like when you get into a stuck spot in the magnetic field, there's a story there. And you plot it in the biofield anatomy. Okay, this is around age 11. It has to do with guilt and shame. What does that make you think of? And then she's like, Wah! And she made all the sounds. She made all the sounds. She, she told the story. She moaned. She cried. And then when she got off the table, she had no pain. Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio the voice of an awakening world. Hello, I'm Dr. Stephen Farber, and I'm an author, teacher, psychotherapist, and shamanic practitioner. On my podcast, Healing for Your Soul, I welcome some amazing guests and introduce you to some healing techniques like earth magic, working with nature and animals, and really getting to the heart of what is keeping you stuck. I want to help you deepen your spirituality and let go of blocks that are holding you back. Let me help you in this journey called life. Part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network. Subscribe and follow wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss an episode.